Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi there and welcome to Scout the Game Week. Scout the Game Week is a fantasy football scout weekly podcast brought to you by the Scout Network. In each episode, we'll look back at the game week we've just played and assess what we can learn to help us in the next round of fixtures. I'm Sam from the FPL family. Let's Scout the Game Week. This week, I'm joined by somebody who this time last season was just starting out on his FPL content creating journey and is now one of the biggest and most exciting names in the game, mostly because he is named after one of my favourite players. Um, It doesn't feel like that long ago, FPL Sonaldo, that I had you on here. But a lot has changed for you since then. A lot has changed. And uh, I'll always be grateful to you, Sam, because uh, I think one of the very first content creation uh, videos or podcasts I did was with you. And I remember being, um, you know, sort of uh, uh, very excited to speak to you, also very nervous speaking to you. And again, um, here we are and still nervous, but (laughs) it's a pleasure to be back. And uh, thank you for the kind words. I really appreciate your support um, throughout. Oh, no, not at all. I mean, the last time we spoke on Scout the Game Week, since then, you've done the FPL show, you're hosting Burning Questions on the Scout YouTube channel, you've been on shows like Black Box as well with Az, you've done American Radio. It's been a journey for you so far in a very, very quick period of time. I remember when we started out with the FPL family, it was a much more slow and gradual process, whereas I feel like we've gone, there you go, FPL Sonaldo, do everything. Has it (laughs) felt a little bit crazy? Yeah, it's been crazy. I, I think um, November, December was sort of when it all began. And that's when I was um, sort of uh, in awe of what was happening. And again, I, I need to credit you, Sam, because all of this happened because of um, your ability to sort of um, see the potential in me. And I appreciate it again. And and right now it's, it's sort of uh, become uh, more natural. And yet it's still nerve wracking every single time, every single episode. And a lot of prep, a lot of, uh, uh, you know, work goes into um, these episodes. So uh, it's been an overall extremely fun journey for sure. Oh, well, you're very welcome. And I don't think I deserve that credit, but you're, you're very welcome <laughs> indeed. It definitely does take a lot of time and I hate to be the one to break it to you, but even after four years, I don't think I've got any quicker at prepping for things either. It still seems <laughs> to take me just as long and I seem to get just as nervous as I did originally apart from on our own youtube channel that's fine i'm so used to that now but every time there's an official show to do or or what have you it still feels a little bit like oh gosh make sure you say the right thing don't give people bad advice (laughs) it's a lot of pressure isn't there Mm, absolutely all right let's start as always then by looking back on the game week we've just played or actually in this case the game week we've played so far because we are recording this on tuesday morning uk time which means we are sat bang in the middle of game week 28. Now, game week 28 has been a bit of a roller coaster actually so far. I think we had a lot of the big hitters who were 
supposed to do well, doing well, but a lot of those 50-50 decisions really were telling this time around. So for example, I spent all of last week, and for those of you that watch the Q&A, you'll know, I spent a lot of time last week stressing about Rudiger versus Reese James and the kind of exciting, slightly go out there and attack the game part of me was like, do you get Reese James? Yes, he might miss a game. He might miss the Norwich game. He might miss the Newcastle game in game week 29. But, you know, fundamentally, he's going to be the one to go. He's the most attacking. But then the conservative, slightly safer playing FPL manager in me was like, whoa, whoa. Don't cause yourself more drama in game week 29. If he, if he misses out on that one, you don't want to be in a position where one of your most expensive defenders isn't playing and you've got to rely on a cheap option to come in and you don't like his match or doesn't have a nice fixture. Go with Rudiger. So I did that. And I went with Rudiger thinking a bit more long-term and also knowing that I've got my wild card. So at some point when Reese James was back and recovered fully, I could just swap them over. Those kind of decisions are the ones that really bit this week, aren't they? Yeah, I think you made a very, very good point. Um, this was a week with a lot of variance, um, as as you mentioned, a lot of 50-50 calls. And when you listen to the way you came about to go for Rudiger over Reese James, it makes perfect sense, right? Um, so a lot of happy managers, a lot of disappointed managers. And um, what I've realized is that sometimes it really does come down to a, a stroke of luck because mm. you, know, you could have had Rudiger in your mind the entire time um you know Tuchel came out with the news conference about uh as Pulicueta being injured so um you know James's chances uh had risen but even then if you stuck to your guns there's nothing wrong with that maybe some managers in the last five you know 10 minutes decided okay I'm gonna go for Reese James they made that call and it worked out so it's really fine margins FPL it's just a constant reminder that you can't get everything right and and sometimes um, you know, you, you're not making the wrong decisions. It's just the outcomes don't come out your way. Um, so I'm sure it, it was, a, it was a difficult, um, week to make the right 50, 50 calls. Yeah. And it was the same. And we'll talk about Spurs in a little bit more detail, I'm sure later on in this podcast, but it was exactly the same for both you and I, who of course are invested in Sun because well, mm. he's your namesake. So you kind of need <laughs> to be. Um, and for me, I, I just, I've been invested in him for a while since before pain really started to be a thing again. So it was a frustrating game again on Monday evening watching that. I mean, as a Spurs fan, I was absolutely loving it. Don't get me wrong. But equally, I'd have been quite happy if the game had stopped at 2-0 because the FPL yeah. points that some would have got would have been so much better than where we were by the end of the game. But hey-ho, there we are. Let's talk about who's impressed you in game week 28 so far then. So have you got a couple of names for me, players that you think have been really good? Um, sure. I, I think the first one has to be Reese James. Um, you know, there was a lot of doubts about his minutes and, you know, his return from a long injury. So, um, you know, it, it was a punt in some ways, but Reese James definitely uh, impressed us. I mean, he's such a great player uh, just in terms of football, but as an FPL asset, he's an outstanding FPL asset. So uh, I think he is, his effective ownership is going to rise and, and people will start to uh, jump on it, especially for the latter part of the season because of Chelsea's fixtures. Mm. Um, Coutinho for sure is one that's, um, in my mind, uh, I, you know, I have to be the first to admit prior to this game week, I wasn't so convinced about Coutinho because of, um, sort of how Aston Villa w- weren't performing that well in the last few game weeks. And then, um, you know, obviously he did tremendously could have easily hauled even bigger. Um, so yeah. very scared of his, uh, returns in the next two days as a non-owner. 
Um, maybe the third one could be sort of left field, maybe not left field, but Kulovsky, um certainly mm-hmm. is uh, one to keep an eye on with the double game weeks coming up and also his price point being so low and possibly a great alternative to um, Min Sun. So um, those three would be my um, top. Yeah, and I think for me, Cooley one's really interesting because owned at the start of this game week by like 2.5% of the game. Currently, I just checked before we came on, he's owned by 3.2% of the game. So mm. that's a relatively substantial rise in the number of managers that he's had on the back of yesterday's performance. He's a player that when he arrived at Spurs, I was quite excited about. Mm-hmm. And I thought might just be what we needed, nice and, and and big and strong, the sort of player that we've mm-hmm. kind of lacked in seasons gone by since the sort of days of um, Dembele and players like that. And obviously with Ndombele not really having settled at Spurs and then having gone off on loan, we didn't really have that powerhouse necessarily going forward. And, and Lucas Mora, I think, is a fantastic player, but much more light and tricky on his feet. Whereas obviously with Kulu, he is one of those players that just has... He's got the the upper body strength. And I wondered how long it would take him to kind of bed into the Premier League. The answer was no time at all. He (laughs) looks as if he's been at Spurs all of his life, really settled. And I wonder whether having arrived with Bentacore, that's helped that kind of familiarity of coming together. But yeah, he's a player for sure that is on my agenda. And I think, you know, with Spurs doubling in game week 29, which we'll look at in a minute, as well as playing in game week 30, and additional game weeks to come in the future with rearranged fixtures, plus no further distractions outside of the Premier League, having gone out of the FA Cup and, of course, having gone out of the Europa Conference. They were talking on on Sky last night about how Spurs perform so much better when they have more than four days between their fixtures. And, of course, you look at the Spurs fixtures to now till the end of the season, there's something to play for in terms of the race for fourth. It looks good for Kulu. And, and I think, you know, Reese James is, as you mentioned, he just had a phenomenal week and, and he certainly didn't look like a player that was just coming back from injury in game week, the first game of game week 28. Let's see whether he plays in the second one, whether he gets the whole game against Norwich. I think that will be an interesting point for FPL managers. But Chelsea, of course, do blank in game week 30. So depending on chip strategy, you might have to have a little think about the Chelsea defence if you want um, if you want free hitting in game week 30. Mm. And then Coutinho, well, again, has the benefit of playing in game week 30. Doesn't have a double in game week 29, but goodness me, wasn't he so impressive? It was like watching the Coutinho of of Liverpool days back again. So, yeah, really interesting ones. Um, We also had an injury this week and quite a key injury. Actually, I thought it was going to be worse than it was when he originally walked off the pitch. And obviously I'm talking about Jarrod Bowen here. Mm. Couldn't put his ankle down. Looked like he was really struggling to just Mm. walk off the pitch. And I remember turning to Lee and saying, that's like a player that's going to be back anytime soon. Now, it sounds from what West Ham is saying, like it might just be the severe game plus the weekend's action that he misses. Hopefully that's the case. But what are we doing with Jarrod Bowen now? Is he the sort of player that we just sell? Because obviously, you know, we've already talked about Kulu. He looks great. Good differential. Could be a good investment for next week and beyond. We've obviously got um, Arsenal Saka, who's also in fantastic form. Arsenal, much like Spurs, well, they are leading the race for fourth at the moment. And they have really great fixtures between now and the end of the season and again playing game week 30. So is Jarrod Bowen an easy sell? If he is, who's the obvious replacement to go to? 
Yeah, it's a really, really tough one because um, from the press conferences, it doesn't sound like he'll be back, uh, especially for this game week. Um, looks like maybe there's a slight chance he's back for 30. And the reason why we're keeping him is because of 30. Mm. Um, but if you look at the fixtures surrounding 30, um, they do play Ast- West Ham do play Aston Villa in 29, followed by in 31, Everton, Brentford and Burnley. So, uh, you know, it's not it's not such a bad run of fixtures around the 30. Um, blank game week so certainly he could be a hold but at this point in time if you can wait around till 30 sure you can keep him see see if he's available if not you can sell him then or um, if you want to move him on this game week for certainly a, a double game week asset in, in let's say Spurs or Saka or whoever it may be um, I think that's that would be my move as well because I, I'm not very confident he'll be returning in time for game week 30. No and I, and I tend to think you're right I mean watching him I, I wonder whether there's just an element of wanting to be positive from David Moyes in what he's saying in, in, in the news that's coming out of West Ham, watching him walk off that pitch. It didn't mm. look great. So hopefully it's not as bad as, as first feared. But for me, he will be one of the players that does make way in my FPL team this week. As much as I would have liked to have kept him for game week 30, I don't, I'm not sure we'll be certain that he'll be fit and available for 30. And obviously yeah. with game week 29 in mind before that and a number of double game weekers in Saka and Kulu in particular that I would like to own this week. I think now is, is probably the moment for, for losing Bowen. Yeah. And Sam, I think you make a good point, uh, right? Because you're thinking of all these midfielders that you want to bring in and the, the five midfield spots are extremely valuable at this mm. point in time. So you know, you don't want to be wasting that spot by having an injury prone player, not prone, but injury injured player um, as your fifth midfielder. So I think I think it's a viable option to move him on um, ASAP. All right. Well, I think that's the perfect segue then to discuss double game week 29. So the next of our double game weeks, I feel like we're either talking about double game weeks or blank game weeks all the time at the moment because we go from one straight into another, straight into another. Now, most managers are going to be looking to target the doubling players in the same way that we did we saw managers doing last week with the likes of Reese James and Coutinho. If you were going to make three transfers this week, who would be your three key targets for the double game week? Yeah, it's a tough one. Um, I think the priority should be um, with Arsenal, Liverpool and uh, Tottenham assets. Um, so Spurs do have United and Brighton, uh, which on paper might not sound great, but Brighton and United are also uh, struggling, especially mm. defensively. So I, I do think that that is a double to attack, especially with what we saw um, in this game against Everton. Uh, granted, it was Everton. <laughs> um, so uh, Kane is, is should be on high priority for for most managers, even with man- even managers like us, Sam, who have son. Um, it's a worry uh, not owning Kane, and uh, hence uh, I'm sure we've both considered the wild card as well. Um, so I, I'm very nervous without going with Kane into double game with 29. I mean, uh, a left field shout would be Doherty, who's trying to, who's gaining traction within the community as well. And, um, and well-deserved as well, because he's played really well the last two games and showed a fantastic game against Everton. Uh, when I speak on Liverpool, I think you have to think about um, tripling up on Liverpool. Liverpool is, you know, top two team in the, in the league, possibly the best team in the league. So uh, you really want to maximize your chances there. And finally, Arsenal as well, playing fantastic. Looks like they've, you know, going to have a good solid run to remain in the top four at the end of the season. And and they've been playing really, really well, especially 
um, they're attacking a midfield asset. So from there, Saka would be high priority for me uh, from the Arsenal team. All right. Well, let's just take a little bit of time to look at those three clubs then for game week 28, because I do think that for the majority of FPL managers, they are the standout teams with the double this time around and, and Spurs and Arsenal even more so for managers without a free hit, because of course mm. we'll play in game week 30 and we'll touch on that a little bit later. And I think, you know, you, you've just said before we came on and started recording, we had a, a relatively long conversation about Sun uh, and Spurs because both of us have Sonny in our midfield. I've already said I was quite happy for the game to end in 2-0 last night, an own goal and a Sunny one would have been delightful. But I am looking at my team now thinking, oh, there's not enough Spurs in there for this double mm. game week and beyond till the end of the season. I do feel like Spurs are starting to turn a corner. Uh, you know, they've scored nine goals in the last two Premier League matches and they haven't conceded in that time. Now, yes, I know that a lot of FPL managers out there will say, yes, but you played Leeds under Bielsa and you played Everton and neither of those two sides are keeping clean sheets and both of them are defensively having a lot of issues. And I take that on board. But in the past, those would still have been games where Spurs would have struggled. They might have won them by a goal or two, but they wouldn't have won them by four or five. And I think... Mm. That is where the kind of key turning point is for me. Now, I look at the Spurs team and think, which three players would I really want to target? Now, I think the obvious choice, and, and correct me if, if you disagree, is to go with the three attackers in, in mm. Sun, in Kulu and in Kane. The difficulty there is that they cost, not so much mm. Kulu, but Sun and Kane, they cost a lot of money. So if you're looking to invest in 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 Sun is 10.8. If you're looking to invest in Kane, he's taken a price jump. So he's 12.3 now. That's a significant investment. Now, Kulu did take a price rise last night, so 6.1 now. So we could go with all three of them, but actually, it's a lot of budget. So could we go with Doherty? What's your view on? Could we could we pick two of them? And if so, which two? And then which defender would you go instead? So I think um, you know. The, the reverse way to think about this is some managers may say proceed with caution because um, if you look at prior to the Everton game, they've lost four out of their six games. And then, mm -hmm. you know, obviously played really, really, really well against Everton. And we get very excited about, you know, sort of recency bias. But yeah. at the same time, it's game week 29. We're approaching the, you know, the last eight or nine game weeks. And I would rather argue this is when you really should sort of play the fixtures and sort of attack um, your, your FPL assets as much as possible. With that being said, they play in 30, followed by a run of great fixtures. So you, I, I think it's a no-brainer to try to triple up on, on Tottenham and at worst, you know, double up on Tottenham assets, um, especially with the double game week in 29. I 100% agree with you, um, Sam. I think I would also want Kane, Son, and Kulovsky, um, just because... Um, I don't trust Spurs defensively so much yet. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> exactly. Um, and Kulovsky seems like he's nailed down that spot. Um, if anything, Sun's been getting subbed off a little bit earlier. I know it hurts to say um, as... It's painful. Um, you know, it's painful to say. Um, but there's multiple, you know, reasons to it, layers to it. And, you know, they're trying to do better as a team. So, um, you know, from an FPL point of view, you want your players to play 90 minutes. But from a Spurs club point of view, they want to win games. So... I think there's there's reasons behind it. Besides that, 
Doherty has just entered the conversation. Right. Besides, before Doherty, I don't think we would have ever considered these Spurs defensive assets because the center backs, you know, what do they offer besides clean sheets and the clean sheets weren't coming? Yeah. The wing backs were so rotation proof. I mean, they literally have four, you know, kind of not outstanding first choice uh, wing backs. And we're kind of banking on the hope that Doherty becomes their, you know, first choice right back over yeah. Royale. And I do feel like, I, I do feel confident that I can say he is first choice. Um, and I do think that Conte will kind of continue to play him until maybe he has a really bad game because they need to win games. So yeah, I, I'm a little bit, um, I think my fourth, fourth Spurs option would be Doherty after Kulovsky as well. Mm. But this is again, team dependent, right? Because it's very, very hard to to get Son and Kane both in. I think yeah. you have to pick between one of the two. Yeah, It's really difficult, this, because I, I think as a Spurs fan who watches Spurs all the time, obviously, it's the defence is, is, is something I've always shied away from because there has the key spots where you'd want to invest. Like you've said, there's been multiple rotation. You know, We've got a couple of players mm. for each of those positions and it's very hard to know who's going to play. Royale has had that spot. Doherty's come in. He's been really good the last two games. But he's been really good in two games where he hasn't been asked to do any defending. He's literally mm. been asked to go and attack the game. And as a result of that, he has and he's got returns and he's been fantastic. And there's no denying that. But I do worry that against Manchester United and to a certain extent against Brighton too, who teams that are more defensively solid, (laughs) they're still not defensively brilliant, but they're more defensively solid than Leeds and Everton were. But they're also teams with that can and do have players with good attacking prowess, particularly Manchester United. You know, they've got players like Ronaldo and Fernandez, players like Sancho and and Rashford, players that can Mm. do real damage if they want Mm. to and on the good day for them. Doherty, if he plays against Manchester United, he's going to be asked to defend just as much as he's going to be asked to attack. And I'm not sure that we ever really see the best from him when he's asked to do the defensive legwork. Now, things have improved a lot for Spurs defensively since the return of Eric Dyer. Now he's playing alongside Romero. They look solid together. It's a good partnership. And the wingbacks have been doing a good job. I thought Sessegnon was having the best game I've seen him have in a Spurs shirt against Everton last night and unfortunately for him goes off injured Reguilon comes on immediately scores with his first touch of the ball and actually had a fantastic second half himself so that side of the pitch is so much more highly contested and I think it's much more difficult to know what's happening there unless Sessignon is ruled out by Conte then maybe Reguilon is a good bet but Doherty I like if we had some strength and some certainty of starts then maybe but I do think in the tougher games that we've got coming against you know Arsenal against Manchester United could he play Royale instead because he offers a little bit more in the way of defensive security I think he might which then means that you're back with the front three and and I think if I don't think many FPL managers will be able to go with all three on the basis that they're also going to want to have Trent they're going to want to have Salah they're probably going to have some other um, expensive FPL assets in there a Chelsea defender Reese James or Rudiger probably still got Cancelo you might want to have a City attacking player in there as well all of that makes this really difficult because owning Sun and Kane together is hard. So if you put me on the fence on it and said, you know, you get off, you've got to make a decision. I, I'd i lean towards going with Kudu and Kane. I think that allows you to spread the wealth of the budget a little bit more. And I just feel a little bit apprehensive about selling Sun to fund mm. 
the move for both of them, even though I know that I'm still going to be investing wisely in Spurs. Yeah, I, I agree. I think uh, Kulu and Kane is uh, going to be a very, very popular combination. And uh, I feel a lot of managers will go for it. So that that does worry me a lot as a son, son owner. And uh, it's giving me sort of second second doubt about whether it's okay to to go against Kane and, and keep Sun in. Um, but yeah, it's very worrying uh, moving mm. forward. Let's move to the other side of North London then, because obviously Arsenal in the same boat as Spurs, also in a good one at the moment, in an arguably better run of form. And they've played against more difficult teams in the recent game weeks that we've just had. They are leading the race for the fourth spot in the Premier League. If they'd have found their gears a little bit earlier, I think they could have been challenging for third, not just challenging for fourth. They are playing incredibly well at the moment and Arteta has got them in a great moment right now. At the moment, I just have Ramsdale from Arsenal and that's clearly not going to be enough going into the double game week and and with game week 30 in mind also. So I'm looking at that Arsenal team and obviously it's Saka that really stands out. But then the question I have for you is, if we're going with Saka and Ramsdale, we do have a third spot open to go with Arsenal. And if you aren't free hitting in 30, then investing in three Arsenal players for this week makes a lot of sense. Would you top up Saka and Ramsdale with Lacazette or would you look at one of the defenders, maybe Ben White, if budget's an issue or, or Tierney um, if budget isn't? What's your view on the defensive double up versus the attacking double up for them? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. Um, I do believe that Arsenal, as you mentioned, are you know finding their form. I'm not finding their form, they're in form. And when you have quality players um, such as Arsenal that's in form, they're a scary team. And we've seen it over the past few couple game weeks. So I'm very excited to be a Saka owner and Ramsdale owner. I think I would avoid the double defense. I think I'm perfectly happy having Ramsdale. Defensively, they've sort of, you know, let us down the last two or three game weeks where we expected some clean sheets. So when you mentioned Lacazette, I think it's okay to triple up on Arsenal with the Saka and Lacazette combination if that's what you need to do for your team structure and you need an uh, you know additional striker because of the lack of you know striker options right now in the game however i would prefer to somehow double up on the midfield okay. I, I don't know if we have enough spots um in terms of uh because there's so many midfield uh, assets that we want but yeah. like i said is perfectly fine and the two midfield options would obviously be either Odegaard or Martinelli, both of whom are also great options. Which one of the two do you prefer? Would, would you be more tempted to go with Odegaard or do you think Martinelli at cheaper is, is a better option? Yeah, I think that this might be sort of a hot take, uh, but I think I would prefer Odegaard. Um, mm. And a couple of weeks ago, I would have said Martinelli. Um, but what we've seen in the last couple of game weeks is Odegaard has come into his own sort of position he's become central to their attacking play you know really sort of unlocks the keys to Martinelli plus um, as well as uh, Saka however he is sometimes the pass to assist guy and Martinelli is just a pure goal scorer um, very you know goal hungry type of explosive asset so it's a tough one it's a tough one to call Mm, I mean I, I do think you're right I mean in my head, it was a case of let's go with either Lacazette or a defender because those midfield spots, they're becoming a, a, a real challenge because, you know, you're using them up. And I, I'm looking at my team now thinking I've got Rafina in there who I'm really not wed to keeping. Uh, but it, it could be a difficult sell depending upon strategy for game week 30. 
we've also got other options in there you know the likes of Ramsey who's my cheap budget enabling player in my team also could be an issue selling if depending on strategy for game week 30 and then there's Sun and there's mm. um Salah and, and Bowen is my okay you you can be the one that kind of makes way this week but finding a spot for Saka is quite a challenge for me if I also want Kulu Finding a spot for Saka plus Erdegaard or plus Martinelli is almost impossible with the way that my team's yeah. laid out. Whereas Lacazette, I can get there. It's just I think I'd rather go Kane. If I'm going to get up to that much budget in a forward line, I'd, I'd rather try and find the additional to go from Lacazette uh, to Kane instead. So it's difficult. And, and I think that problem is also replicated at Liverpool because majority of FPL managers are going to have Salah, going to have Trent. So you'll be looking at what you do with that third Liverpool spot. Now, unlike Arsenal and Spurs, Liverpool don't play in game week 30. So if you are not free hitting in 30, you probably don't want to triple up on Liverpool because it's going to keep give you an additional headache the following week. But if you are free hitting in game week 30 or you do want to treble up on Liverpool, it feels like a minefield trying to pick. Robertson is the one for me that's kind of the obvious choice right now. And I never really say I want to do a defensive double up, but I look at the midfield and I think, how much game time is Jota going to get? Are we going to see him rotated around with Mane? Because we saw Mane playing in the front um, three of, of yeah. Liverpool in, in um, game week 28's game. So, could that be Jota? Could Mane come out for Jota? Could Mane replace Luis Diaz? Could we just have some constant rotation around that front three? Well, I think the answer is yes, because we've also seen this week that Firmino is back in training at Liverpool. So we've got all five of them now. Firmino's probably, I wouldn't quite necessarily say fit and available, but he's on his way back to being fit and available. Five of them, three places. You could end up picking the wrong one here, can you? I, I, I do agree. I think a triple up on Liverpool means you go to Robertson. Um, it's just the safest. Yeah. You know, Simicus can, of, of course, start one game. But I, I think that with the title race on the line, um, I'd be very surprised if Robertson's benched. I don't think he's going to be benched anymore, at least in the you know foreseeable future. Um, as you mentioned, Mane would be a, a good third option, but he's just way too expensive and, and there's no way you can fit him in, especially if you're trying to fit in the likes of Kane, Salah, and, and you know, double um, Liverpool defense. So, do you go Luis Diaz? Well, you got Jota and as you mentioned, Firmino can always come into the picture. Um, so, yeah, I think, I, I think I would go Robertson as well as my third option. Mm. And, I, and I think, you know, we've said already, looking ahead to game week 30, the, the players that we would target will probably be slightly different for this week, depending upon your strategy. So as an FPL manager, knowing what you're going to do in game week 30 is probably going to be quite key to your decision-making. And of course, you know, I said right at the beginning of this pod, we've still got four matches to go this game week. So we've still got Wolves and Watford, Southampton and Newcastle, Norwich and Chelsea and Leeds and Villa alongside Champions League action and, and Europa League. So let's just be very careful with going early on transfers Last night, there was a lot of movement in the transfer market for Spurs assets, unsurprisingly, because they were fantastic. However, I am just trying to be a little bit cautious of going too soon because it only takes one injury to a key player across the rest of your team. And, and suddenly you're being forced into a wild card or, or worse, if you haven't used your wild card, you're being forced into multiple points hit. So I think to summarise what we're saying about game week 28, invest heavily in Spurs and Arsenal because they are the ones with the 
you know, the double game week, but also the gaming game week 30. And if you can triple up on Liverpool, then Andy Robertson looks like a great opportunity to do that. As long as you know what you're doing in game week 13, you can get your bench to work for you. All right, then let's just have a quick chat about chip strategy because chip strategy is the rage at the moment. I said to you just before we came on, I'm pondering on hitting the wildcard button this week. And, and I wanted to talk to you about whether there is any value in a chip in game week 29, because obviously this week we've seen a lot of wildcards being active. There's been quite a few free hits out there as well. People that had the second free hit left of free hitted for game week 28. What's your view on game week 29? Is it just it could be a good time to wildcard. Is there any other chip that you think is potentially valuable at this stage? Uh, it's a tough, it's a really, really, you know, team dependent, um, obviously. Um, for example, what I mean by this is, you know, it's a double followed by a blank. So you could actually navigate sort of, you know, three fixtures really, really easily with a wildcard. And, um, you know, in your case, Sam, it sounds like you're, lacking the arsenal assets and yeah you know you obviously you want Kane plus another spurs asset as well and maybe want to hop off sun so i think it makes sense right i, I think mm. it makes sense to sort of go go heavy on the arsenal go heavy on the spurs and sort of go heavy on the liverpool and then you know make sure your surrounding pieces are um able to navigate 30 plus 31 32 and then you know obviously the 33 double we don't know exactly what fixtures will fall then but um, you can sort of plan ahead to the next three or four or five game weeks. So a wild card makes sense here. I don't think I would free hit. Um, I'm not sure if that's a popular option here. I don't think I would free hit in 29. A free hit in 30 becomes um, a question mark for many. Um, and so the only viable chip for 29 would be a wild card. You know, if you look at a wild card structure for 31, it's actually not so different from a 29. So yeah. If you're holding up till 31 and you're you're kind of in that 50-50 gray zone for 29, maybe a wild card could be a decent option. But when you wild card, you're you know usually planning for a bench boost. So that's the kind of dilemma that comes with a wild card in 29. It's difficult because I think, you know, originally my intention was to wild card in 29. And then I thought actually maybe 31 is, is the moment for my team because I was looking at my team for game week. 29 28 thinking they look it looks okay actually maybe it's I don't need it mm -hmm. but then having watched the way that Arsenal performed this week having watched the way that Spurs performed this week having looked at kind of the edges of my team and the peripheral players you know the likes of, of Jimenez who's just not getting enough minutes at the moment the likes of Veghorst who I just don't really want have I wanted him for Burnley's doubles but I don't really want him long term I've still got Sanchez as my second goalkeeper and, and there's a lot more value in Foster and I could take some money out of, of Sanchez and, and use that better across the rest of my team so if I'm talking about making all of those changes then actually the swap for Son and Saka in the midfield puts me in a great position for game week 29 and it would also put me in a really nice position going into game week 30 because I'd be able to treble up on Arsenal. I'd be able to treble up on Spurs. I'd be able to keep invested in Aston Villa. And I'm happy to do that because they could be players that I would eventually sell post game week 30. Um, and so by looking at the way that my team is, I could get 11 players out in game week 30 if I wildcard in game week 29. 
that would allow me to hold my free here for game week 33, depending upon what happens, but also potentially for game week 36, depending upon where all of these fixtures get rescheduled. So the more I think about it, the more I like the idea of the wild card happening in, in game week 29. I just need to kind of take a deep breath. Look at <laughs> look at game week 31. Look, at, if I was going to wild card in 31, who would I bring in? And is right. it that different from what I would do if I was going into game week 29 mm. with my wild card and with a couple of transfers going into 31, actually, could I, um, could I make that better? Because the reality of the situation is if I was to wild card in 29, I wouldn't make a transfer going into game week 30. So I'd have two going into 31 anyway. So with two going into 31, I'm then in quite a nice place where I can probably make, make the wild card work from then till the end of the season and maybe even go with a slightly earlier bench boost. And I think that's right. I mean, I, I agree with you. I sort of wanted to double check, really, for the managers out there. They're still <laughs> holding both of their free hit chips because there are some that are still kind of sat there with both free hit chips and a wild card and a bench boost going, when am I going to play these chips? Because I'm going to run out of weeks. But I think what yeah. we're saying is if you want to chip it this week, the wild card looks like the best option. Yeah. Okay. Finally, then, Snaldo, the all important question the captaincy. Now, Salah. <sighs> He was my captain in game week 28. Let's not talk about him too much. He blanked. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I am. Um, <laughs> I always, always captain a double game weeker. Always. Yeah. And uh, this time around, I looked at my last couple of double game weeks and was like, I don't know why I captained Josh King. And yeah, I don't yeah. know why I captained Fed Corst because it just didn't go very well. And at the same time, I had players that were really performing in those game weeks. So this time around, I decided to trust the stats, trust Salah, his form, his record against West Ham, oh, it did not go well. But I do think yeah. he will be the most popular captaincy option for game week 28. But Kane is on fire and Saka is looking really good. So who do you think is the best captaincy option for game week 29? Yeah, I think those three are, are the ones that stand out, right? And I think you have to go with Salah as your first choice, um, especially if you're you know, really high up in rank and, and doing really well this season. You don't want to sort of... Uh, fall too far behind by taking such a you know risky move away from the popular captain Salah. With that being said, um, you know you could go for Kane. I think Kane could be a viable option this game week. We we saw how explosive he is, and he can haul any day. And Saka is also a fun punt, but I don't think I would go there um, when you have the likes of Salah and Kane as outstanding premium you know sort of uh, captaincy shouts for for this game week. So. It, it'd be between Salah and Kane. And maybe if you're trying to move up the ranks and sort of, um, you know, want, want to make a big sort of risky move, then you could go for Kane. But for me personally, I'm pretty sure 90% I'll be on captaincy on Salah. Yeah, I think I'm going to do the same. I'd, I'd very, very much like, if I had Kane in my team, I'd be sorely tempted to hand him the armband this mm. time around. But I, I think with... Unless something major changes watching Liverpool in the Champions League this evening, I will likely hand the armband to Salah this weekend. Mm -hmm. So Naldo, thank you so much for talking to me today. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you back. I always love a conversation with you and we end up digressing into Spurs quite a lot, which makes it even better. <laughs> that is it for this week's Scout the Game Week. I will be back next week. We'll look back on Double Game Week 29 and we'll look ahead to Blank Game Week 30.